Welcome to Radio Imagination. This is an exploration of the life, work, and influence of the author Octavia E. Butler. I read about people and the different ways of being human. And you can't really do that unless you write about a lot of different kinds of people. She was a science fiction writer born in Pasadena, California. I think I had one choice, well, two choices. I could become a writer or I could die really young. I'm Savannah Wood. This year, a decade after Butler's death, a group of artists and writers will explore her archives at the Huntington Library and bring you a series of performances, film screenings, and literary events, all produced by Clockshot, an arts organization in Los Angeles. Today we have Nicole Mitchell. Mitchell is a renowned flutist and composer who was inspired by Octavia Butler's 1987 novel, Dawn, to create Xenogenesis Suite, an album in tribute to the late author. She'll be performing music from this album on October 27th at the Huntington Library. In this interview, Nicole and I talk about creative music, her mother's interest in Afrofuturism, and lessons learned by moving through fear. Here's Nicole. My name is Nicole Mitchell, and I'm a creative flutist composer. I've been living in the Southern California area since 2011. Before that, I spent 21 years in Chicago, which has been my home base for many years. Perfect. What are you doing at um, What are you doing at the University of California at Irvine? I'm a professor of music, and I teach in this program called I See It, mm-hmm. called Integrated Composition, Improvisation, and Technology. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so we are, have you here today because you're working with us on this um, Octavia Butler project, Radio Imagination. But you've been working in her archives and working with her with her literary works for a long time before we started this project. So I'm curious if you can just kind of talk about how you were first introduced to Octavia Butler's work and um, how that's been an inspiration for you. Yeah, I'm sure everyone has a special story about Octavia Butler Mm -hmm. and how she kind of came into their lives. For me, it came directly through my mother. My mother was a self-taught painter and and also a creative writer. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up with these paintings around me of like, two suns setting on a landscape yeah. and the, or women sitting on planets giving birth or, you know, just like my mom was very Afrofuturist in terms of her artwork and she really was inspired by Octavia Butler. So mm. I grew up like, you know, discovering Octavia Butler on her bookshelves and, and reading and, and realizing like, well, learning from my mother that, this idea of endless possibility that even though, you know, we have this reality that we're in, there's always another way of being, another way of living. And we can also create with art. We can create things that may not have ever existed before Mm -hmm. and connect those and make meaning with connecting those things to what's familiar to us. And so that idea was really kind of dropped as a seed really early for me. Um, And so reading her books as a teenager Mm -hmm. was amazing because they were scary to me, but I couldn't put them down. Yes. And this idea of, you, you know, the idea of taking the future and using it as a platform for dealing with the social issues that we're dealing with right now. I mean, it really inspired me as an artist. Mm. And so my mother actually died when I was 16. And I decided I was going to continue her path as an artist because I felt like she didn't really get to where she wanted to go. And this idea 
of taking on that way of doing art, the, the idea of it being transformative and also expressing alternative worlds was something that from Octavia Butler's work and my mother's work that I wanted to continue in my own work. Gotcha. Yeah. Who are, who's going to be here for um, for your performance at the Huntington? I'm excited to bring some Chicago artists to L.A. and also to connect with local artists here that mm. are either in San Diego or in L.A. For example, here in L.A., I'm super excited to have Ross G. Mm-hmm. Who he's he does he's a underground hip hop producer. He does electronics and he has a group called. Um, the African Space Program, so we were on the same oh, wavelength. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so he's been a real inspiration to me since I moved here. So I'm excited to incorporate him into this project, along with Stephanie Richards, a trumpet player who is he, she's teaching at UC San Diego. She's an amazing trumpet player that you know from New York who just moved here as well. Anthony Davis is pretty much a legendary composer. He composed um, a lot of operas that also deal with social commentary and for example he made an opera called Malcolm X Mm. he made an opera for Amistad Mm -hmm. you know and he has some really heavy work and and he's a really heavy composer and a really amazing pianist as well he plays with Wadada Leo Smith and um, does a lot of his own work um, as a composer but I'm really thrilled that he's going to be on the project Mm -hmm. Also from UC San Diego. Um, and then from Chicago, I'm bringing in David Boykin. He's a saxophonist composer who is really amazing in experimentalism. And um, all of these people are their own composers in their own rights and band leaders. But bringing him from Chicago, also bringing Tamika Reed, mm-hmm. who recently, a few years ago, she did a residency here at 18th Street Gallery oh, yeah. um, in L.A., in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a cellist, Manque and Dozy, who, mm-hmm. if you listen to my album, she's kind of like the voice right. of the whole project. Right. Um, she's coming from Minneapolis. And Ariel Ra, who actually was a member of Sun Ra's orchestra mm-hmm. and has spent many decades um, in the Chicago scene, he'll be coming from Chicago as well. And then Eric Revis, who's a new friend of mine, who's amazing bassist, um, who lives here in, in um, L.A. as well. So... Putting all team. that together for this project. <laughs> so it's really a big deal for me. Yeah. I'm really, it's very meaningful. And I'm really excited about what Clock Shop is doing in terms of all of this, you know, creative way to bring Octavia Butler to life for mm-hmm. new pe- for new audiences and for those that have loved her for many years. Yeah, a lot of, um, I think of bridging gaps a lot with what we're doing right now with this project, but also with, I've read with your role in AACM in Chicago yeah. as you're sort of bridging these generational gaps. And even with the people that you're bringing out, um, Ariel Ra was one of your mentors, right? Yes. And so who among the people that you're bringing here, are any of those people, people that you would consider mentees of yours or do you, get, <laughs> I, do you all I kind of like really work with each other? Term so I know it's much. a weird word. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely like Tamika and I have been playing together since I think 99, 2000. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have seen her trajectory, like from, you know, when she first started out improvising now, she's like all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got her own band. She just put out her first her first recording like last year and you know it's really taking off you know um as a leader and I'm really proud of her you know and um Manque and Dosi the same thing like she's she's always been 
an amazing artist, and she's a really um, she thinks of really creative projects. Um, it does solo works and, and different types of things like that will incorporate other aspects of the arts, not just singing, because she's a vocalist. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think it, it's definitely an intergenerational group because Ariel is like, you know, he's definitely, he was a mentor for me for many years and he's like a big brother to me. Mm-hmm. And then I have Anthony Davis, who I looked up to from afar for many years, gotcha. but then started working with. Um, Maybe I guess in 2010, so mm-hmm. so maybe six years we've been working together. But he was someone that I studied his music and was really excited about him. And then like I got to meet him, got to play with him. We have a duet we've done together over the years. So so there's lots of intersections. I love um, that, and it always yeah. offers so many different perspectives too, because right. people are coming from. I mean, different historical um, milieus and bringing all of that knowledge into right. it. Because you can study it as much as you want, but for people who have lived within, you know, being in Sun Ra's band, for instance, the right, original exactly. orchestra, that's a different different experience altogether. Yeah, and I would also say that Tamika and Avriel and Monkwe are all, they're members of the AAC, and Monkwe mm-hmm. is a new member. David Boykin originally was a, a member. He moved away from the organization, but he still has those ties mm-hmm. to the organization. Mm-hmm. So in terms of this spirit of creating original music, of pushing boundaries, and and um, trying to create, you know, what are the possibilities of new things that we can create, all those ideas definitely resonate with everyone in the group. Can you just briefly talk about the AACM and what it is as an organization and its role in Chicago and in music in general? Definitely. Well, first of all, I'll say what it means. Yes. <laughs> AACM is Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians. It was founded in Chicago in 1965, so now we're over 50 years old. Mm-hmm. And it started out as a collective of musicians, African-American musicians, who felt these limitations in their reality they could do something about that. Like, for example, playing in the clubs, there were expectations. You have to play tunes. You got to play the things that we want the audiences, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to drink more and they're going to dance or they're going right. to do whatever. Right, marketing for the you club. Know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the musicians, they had bigger ideas for themselves. They wanted to create new platforms for performing music. They wanted to create new music that was pushing boundaries, that was inspired by a lot of different influences, some of it even from what was happening in t- contemporary classes classical music, and then bringing it together with the tradition of jazz. And so to create their own organization, they found ways to to really build on that, this idea of creating original music. And there was also a way of bringing back music to the community when when you think about this is a time period in the 60s and the 70s where the schools were starting to lose art programs. And so now... You didn't have young people having as much an opportunity to learn how to play music. So starting a Saturday school and having an education program was another big part of the organization. The parallel in L.A. to the ACM would probably be Horace Tapscott's um, Pan-Africanist Orchestra. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. they came up around the same time, and there's a lot of connections that haven't been necessarily drawn in a historical sense in terms of people writing about it, but there's definitely a connection there in terms of 
this idea of community and a community with music and like how to serve your community, how to serve your neighborhood. And at the same time, push each other to be creative and find your own voice as an artist, Mm -hmm. you know. And Mm -hmm. so that was exciting to me coming to Chicago. You know, my mother was from Chicago, coming back to Chicago as an adult and getting that support to be my own self in terms of developing my own voice, but also being a part of a community that was supportive and that, you know, challenge you, push you, challenge and support at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially what you were saying about um, music being cut in schools, art being cut in schools. It's usually looked at as sort of this ancillary thing that's not a foundational element of how we learn or how we express ourselves, how we understand ourselves. Yeah. And so to really shift that focus is so important. Yeah. And I would love to see any kind of writing between the two schools in Los Angeles and Chicago. That'd be so amazing. So if yeah. you know people, that, that <laughs> if anybody's be, listening, that please write great, that history. Yeah, yeah, we need more of that for sure. Because people think geographically when they write about the history a lot of times. Mm-hmm. and But there are some cross-pollination. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, ideas transfer and travel like that. But I'm excited yeah. about how Clock Shop is connecting all these different forms of art mm. to Octavia Butler's work. You know, because, I mean, obviously her focus was in writing and science fiction, but you have visual artists, right. and then you brought me in here to do music, right. and then you have... Well, you had already done the music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. it's actually rare. There's lots of Octavia Butler events that happen globally Mm -hmm. that are more focused on kind of like conferencing and and discussion and And that's all important it's all important but there there's so many visual elements in her writing where it just makes sense to me that there would be visual artists working within our archives um one of the artists who's in the show actually she's doing this really beautiful installation that's um, that's just based on a sketch for a landscape of a story. You know, mm. Octavia Butler just had this little note in the archive that said, for a story, and it's describing this Antarctic desert, and she just took that and is running with it, you know? But wow. there's all of these different elements and pieces within the archive where you could get so much imp- inspiration from yes. anything, you know? I'm excited, too. It's a great privilege to have been invited to be able to visit the archive, and I still... I'm still like at the surface. I need. I want to have more time to get deeper in it. Mm. But I'm hoping that for the concert, there might be one piece in there that. Oh, cool! Might be a new, very new cool. inspiration from that. So, how do you um, imagine that Ross G is going to be involved in this? What's, oh my What's he going to be doing? I'm horrified myself <laughs> because you know we have a really good way of communicating. Um, and it's very intuitive, like mm. how me and Ross G communicate. But it's still going to be interesting for me, like trying to explain what I want from mm-hmm. him and where. It's like a lot of this is really about placement, like yeah. especially with the, vo- the voice mm-hmm. and also with the electronics. It's like when does it happen and when does it not? Like for it has to breathe. Everything has to breathe together. Mm-hmm. And so... I know that he's going to really help transport us more, you know, with with all his amazing skills. Um, but there's a little bit of unknown in there. And that's what this whole thing is about, yeah. facing the unknown. Exactly. So it's a challenge for me, you know, to do that. And um, I, I know he'll enjoy the challenge. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Because it's like, how do you incorporate all these different voices i mean it's a lot of instruments and like not have some of them dominating right. and, and yet it's sometimes they have to be in you know at the forefront and like how do you 
keep everything mm-hmm. um, I loved really it. fluid. Yeah, I loved when listening to the Xenogenesis Suite, hearing the vocalist's voice, but and knowing that it's a human being, but then also just like letting it become this instrument because there aren't so many. Are there any words that she's? There's there's, there's a few maybe in there. a few pieces that actually have text, but the other ones are just emotion, and it's. Yeah. Really striking. So that is like super moving. I hope that that's incorporated. Oh, in this performance definitely. In a that's major way that's too. critical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's critical. Um, how did that process go when you were recording and developing this? Was there uh, music written for it, or is it mostly improvisation? Or how did how did the vocalist get into um, kind of narrating it without words? If you saw my scores, you would be. And if you were a musician mm-hmm. and you look at these scores, you'd be like, "How do you even read this?" <laughs> because it's it's a graphic score. This okay. whole piece is a graphic score. So there's a lot of shapes mm. and things that go with the notation. There is music notation, but it's interwoven with all these other shapes. And then the words are like floating around or the sound, the vocal sounds are like floating around in different places. So the person reading it, they have to kind of like see the whole picture and mm. kind of, you know, kind of imagine how this is going to fit a sonic landscape. Right. Because it's not like, you know, music is normally left to right, right. like reading a book, you right. know. And it's like, okay, this measure, that measure, this measure, this note, that note. But this is not written like yeah. that at all. And it's kind of written, like, in a circular way. Mm. And so to know where to look, I mean, it takes a little bit of, it takes a little bit of getting used to, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah, I but that's the only way that, I could though. get the feeling <laughs> of what I wanted. And so there are a lot of, like, visual cues Mm -hmm. in it too because it's not necessarily predetermined what happens when there's specific things that happen there's events that happen that different instruments do but when they happen it's dependent on the kind of momentum that's happening what the audience is feeling and like you know where you know the intuition of like where i wanted to go at that moment Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of fluid Mm -hmm. stuff happening with it How did you land on Dawn as the inspiration for this out of all of Octavia Out of all of her work? Yeah. Because it was, to me, it was the most, one of the most disturbing. I really, Mm. Kindred is also really powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't, 
now when I think about it, well, first of all, I, I guess I only said part of the story. It talked about my mother and being introduced to her work on the bookshelf. But then, basically, before I wrote this piece, what had happened was I was performing, my group was performing for the uh, Black Writers Conference at Chicago State University, mm, and mm-hmm. Octavia Butler was there. Oh, wow. And I met her. Wow. And in my conversation with her, that was what came to me was to do that piece. And I was especially interested also in the names, you know, Genesis and like with that, you know, just like the whole concept of it and the fact that it was a trilogy because I had this idea about doing three, you know, three pieces. And actually the third piece I'm going to start working on this in 2017, um, it'll be a duo with myself and Lisa Harris, who's a vocalist, Mm. and we'll both be doing, like, electronics. So it'll be totally different from um, these. But um, meeting her, you know, and in that moment and in that feeling that I got from her, Mm. it just really, that's what really resonated me was to do that piece. And just also, I think the idea of this single black woman at the center of the whole piece you Mm -hmm. know what I mean Mm -hmm. and how she on one hand was a leader and on the other hand was a guinea pig right like a victim and a hero at the same time totally like and just the whole duality of everything you know what I mean and and just like I have Makwe as a vocalist you know the other instruments in some ways are acting as the environment or Mm. as the ship Mm -hmm. and sometimes as the aliens and then Makwe is the one female voice or the woman but she also represents the alien because she's not using words right. a lot of times right. and the sound she's making mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like oh is that human <laughs> you know because it's so raw yeah <sighs> So that was basically from meeting her. That was what was your interaction like with her? It was very. It wasn't a long conversation or anything, Mm -hmm. but I was so taken by her presence. You know, I was really taken by her presence, you know, and she was very kind, you know, very calm. Mm -hmm. And um, I told her that I wanted to, like, write some music for her. And I I was thinking when I did this project that I was going to be able to communicate with her Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and interact with her and get feedback from her in doing this project. But the, the actual day that I put this proposal in the mail, um, for, um... A grant, she died that day. The day I put it in the mailbox was the day she died. Oh my God. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to do this. Yeah, now you have to do it. Exactly. Yeah. It was so strange. Wow. You know? Yeah, carrying the work forward. I can't even explain that. Like, it was just, I put it in the mailbox and then I heard on the news. Wow. she, I mean, it was like the sudden death. So, I mean, when I found out, like, that all this stuff is happening here and, you know, yeah. it's just really, it's a big deal for me. Like, um, emotionally, spiritually, like, this is, like, a really big deal.
Radio Imagination is an exploration of the life, work, and influence of Octavia E. Butler. It's all being produced by Clock Shop. We're a nonprofit organization that works at the intersection of culture, politics, and urban space in Los Angeles. On October 27, 2016, Nicole Mitchell and her Black Earth Ensemble will perform Xenogenesis Suite at the Huntington Library. For more information and tickets, visit clockshop.org. I'm Savannah Wood. Thanks for listening. <laughs>